Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And then it goes to a deeper question of what we cannot see. And the surface question in Isaiah 53 that starts off is, who has believed our report? Now, you know, who has believed our report? The deeper question is, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The surface question is, who has believed? We can see who believed. Come to church and they say amen and they sing the hymns. Okay, <laughs> they believe. Who has believed that the Lord Jesus Christ is God? But the deeper question is, to whom has God revealed this, that the Lord Jesus Christ is Almighty God, the same person? We can't see that. We can't see that. But this is what the Lord told Peter. When Peter said in Matthew 16, 16, Matthew 16, 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When he said that, and then it says in verse 17, Matthew 16, 17, it says, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, what, what Peter said is, you are God the Son. You are God the Son of the living Godhead. That's essentially what, he, essentially what he's saying. And the Lord told Peter that you only knew that because God the Father of the living Godhead revealed that to you. And that leaves the question, well, to whom does God choose to reveal that Jesus is God? To only the ones who God chooses? No. Because as it says in Jeremiah 29, 13, Jeremiah 29, 13, you shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. So the answer to the question is, to whom does, the, does God uh, choose to reveal that Jesus is God? It's to every person who searches for God with all of his heart. Man determines that, not God. So this was the great disclosure that the ruler of, 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 of Egypt, you know, Zatnath Paneah, was really Joseph. And when the ruler, Zatnath Paneah, revealed that to them, that he was really Joseph, Joseph asked them to come close to him, come close to him. And then Joseph emphasizes two words to them in his special message to them, and these two words are sent and life. You see that in verse five? God sent me before, God did send me before you to preserve life. And then you see that in verse seven. Verse seven, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So these two words is what he has repeated twice to them. Sent and life. That's the message that he was sending to his brothers. When Joseph emphasized this, that he was sent, he made it very clear to them, it was not you. 
that sent me into Egypt. They might have said, well, I thought it was us. We sold you after all (laughs) as a slave. But he said, no, no, no. It was not you. It was God. He makes that very clear in verse 8. Verse 8. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So this is how Joseph saw himself as being sent by God. And, And we can imagine that Joseph, this is a battle for Joseph. You don't just say this. You can imagine Joseph reminding himself, I've been sent here by God. It's not my brothers that sold me as slave. I've been sent here by God. I have a job to do for God who sent me. I have to report back to God uh, on how I did for in his job that he sent me to do. And this is what filled Joseph's thoughts in Egypt, that he was sent to do a job. And it's this concept of being sent, this is the whole concept behind the word Messiah or Christ. It means anointed, which is what was done when a person was sent. So the essential meaning behind the word Messiah or Christ is this this being sent. And this is how the Lord Jesus saw himself as the one who was sent when he was coming from heaven to earth. That's what he said in Psalm 40, verse 7. Psalm 40, verse 7. Psalm 40, verse 7, he says, Then said I, Lo, I come. Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy laws within my heart. That's what was in the heart of the Lord Jesus, the word of God. The, the word of God the Father, the will of God the Father, that he was sent by God the Father. And that's what he kept speaking about in John 5.36. John 5.36, the Father had sent me. And John 6.57, John 6.57, the living Father had sent me. And John 20.21, John 20.21, my Father had sent me. See, this brings out something that's very essential, and it's a, it, it, and it brings out the essential characteristic of a preacher of the Word of God. You know, it's commonly thought that the qualifications for a preacher has to do with his natural abilities, such as his ability to speak in front of groups of people, or his education, if he has a master's in theology from some seminary which in this case I'm dead because I've never I've never I've never sat in a bible class from any bible college bible university or bible seminary the most important qualification for a preacher is whether or not he's been sent by god and this qualification is what is described in Romans 10 Romans 10:13 Romans 10:13 which says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So Romans 10.15, Romans 10.15 does not say, how shall they preach unless they have natural abilities to preach, to speak, preach. And the Romans 10.15 doesn't say, It does not say, how shall they preach unless they have a seminary degree? And it doesn't say, but it doesn't say any of those things. What it does say is, how shall they preach except they be sent? Sent. 
Now, this sending forth from God is the qualification for a preacher. Moses had no ability to speak. He had no natural ability to speak. He said that in Exodus 4.10, Exodus 4.10, Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto me. I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue, as if God didn't know. (laughs) And the Lord said unto them, to him, who hath made man's mouth, and who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now therefore, go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. See, with no eloquence, a slow speech, a slow tongue, Moses had no natural ability to speak. He never had any Bible instruction But Moses had one qualification, and it was this one word in Exodus 4.12, and his qualification was the one word that God said to him, go. (laughs) That was his qualification. If he wanted to put up his degree behind his desk there, it would just say go. (laughs) That was it. God sent Moses. So here's a man with no natural ability to speak, and yet he effectively commands millions of people. Here's a man with no Bible education, and he writes the Bible, you know. And that's why Joseph emphasized twice in verses 5 and 7 that he had been sent by God into Egypt. Now, the second point that burned in Joseph's heart was what he again emphasized in verses 5 and 7 when he says, now, verse 5, Verse 5, now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life, preserve life. Verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So Joseph saw that the purpose that God had for Joseph when he sent him was just one word, life, life, to preserve life, to save lives. That's the purpose that drove Joseph so they didn't have time to be angry and bitter at his brothers for what they did for him. He was just filled with this mission that God had sent him to fulfill. And this was the same, this is the same as the heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's filled with this purpose that God sent him to accomplish, which was to bring life. And he spoke so much about this reason for him being sent to earth when he said, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, that he gave his only begotten son, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in John 10.10, John 10.10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And John 6.51, John 6.51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So Joseph tells his brothers in verse 7, God sent him. Verse 7, God sent me before you. Joseph said that he was sent by God to save their lives by a great deliverance. And you know, we we don't want to just gloss over this term, a great deliverance. Because there, there's a lot of meaning in that word, great deliverance. It's like a, a bud of a flower that's ready to open. 
And so to help us to see this, I want us just to consider this, the, the, this great, the greatness of this deliverance. If you just think of the word pass, P-A-S-S, pass, you know, that's what's embedded in the word Passover, is, is the word pass. That's why the core meaning of the Hebrew for Passover or Pesach is this meaning, is this meaning a pass or an exemption. You know, the night of Passover, every firstborn in the house, man, animal died unless the house had the pass. And the pass was the blood, which God commanded that every house should have on their doorpost. Blood from a perfect lamb without any blemish. You can imagine that night when all those lambs were killed, the cry of the dying lambs. And on that night, if, as each family then killed the lamb, collected the blood, and then put the blood over the top and over the two sides of the doorpost, and then God made that tremendous proclamation in Exodus 12, 13, Exodus 12, 13, the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. The blood is the pass. Now, I want you to think of the word pass in regard to this great deliverance that Joseph has spoken of here. And look at the word pass. Think of it as an acronym, pass, where P can stand for power, an A can stand for adequate, an S can stand for simple, and the last S can stand for secure. And that's how we want to look at this great deliverance that Joseph said. It was a great deliverance because it was from the power of Joseph. It was a great deliverance because it was adequate for the need it was a great deliverance because it was simple. It was a great deliverance because it, be, it, it, it was secure, made the people feel secure. It was a great deliverance because of this pass from the power and the adequacy and the simplicity and the security of it all. It was a great deliverance because it caused the famine of death to pass over them. And so look at the word, just think of the word P for power of Joseph. It was a great deliverance because it came from the power of Joseph. Here's Joseph. He's, he was a slave. He was a prisoner in the worst dungeon in Egypt. And Pharaoh has this disturbing dream. It's a, a disturbing dream, as it said in, in, in Genesis 41.1. Genesis 41.1. It came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river. And as we've said before, you don't have to identify what river that is. There is only one, the river, in Egypt. And behold, there come up out of the river seven well-favored kind, fat flesh. They were fed in a meadow. Behold, the seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored, lean flesh, stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean flesh kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh woke, and you would too, if you saw that in your dream. And he slept and dreamed the seven time, the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke. And behold, it was a dream. <laughs> he didn't know. He was, it was so real to him. He thought, was this a dream or did I really see this? You know. So he has this dream about the fat cattle 
and the lean cattle coming right out of the river Nile, and he sees in his dream that the lean cattle, they devour the fat cattle. He wakes up, he goes back to sleep, and then he has the second dream, equally as disturbing, of fat and nice ears of corn and then skinny corn that, that were all dried up from the east desert wind that blows there. And Pharaoh sees this skinny ears to eat up the fat ears. So this greatly disturbed Pharaoh. He was very disturbed. He knew the dreams were important, but he didn't understand them. He resorted as he normally did, as we've seen before, the magicians, the wise men. No, no, nobody could interpret him. But he hears that, 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 that there's this Hebrew, this just chief butler says there's this young Hebrew slave in prison, and he has an ability to interpret dreams, so he doesn't care. So he calls for him, and Joseph hurries out of prison, barely has time to shave himself or to change his clothes, and he successfully interprets the dream. And, and, then, he, and then Pharaoh is so impressed in Genesis 41:38 that Pharaoh said unto his 41:38, he says unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is in whom the Spirit of God is? And, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, for as much as God has showed you the, all this, there's none so discreet as wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, see, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took off his ring from off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, that's the royal in him. Put a gold chain about his neck, made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh without thee. Without thee shall no man lift up his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. Just imagine that. Just imagine that scene. A heathen king calling a slave prisoner Jewish man a man in whom the Spirit of God is, and makes this proclamation that this, this Hebrew slave prisoner is now going to rule over his house and over all of his people of Egypt. He's going to be the ruler over Egypt. He wears Pharaoh's ring of authority that was used to sign all the royal degrees. He, he's dressed in the royal clothes, the linen clothes, and he has the royal chain around him. He rides in the second chariot, and he has criers that go before his chariot that command people, bow the knee. <laughs> and the Egyptians come to, 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 to him and tell him in Genesis 47.25, 47.25, Genesis 47.25, they said, the Egyptians say, thou hast saved our lords, let it, our, thou hast saved our lives, thou hast saved our lives, let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. They call Joseph my Lord. Imagine all that, and then imagine the parallels with the Lord Jesus Christ. God brought into a position of all power over Egypt a man named Joseph, who was unknown in Egypt. Who ever heard of him? He was down in the, in, in the prison. Just as God brought into position of all power that, 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 that power over every man, a man named Jesus who was unknown to the world, as he said in John 5.22, 5.22, the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. I mean, in Egypt, 
God brought into power a man named Joseph who was thrown into a pit to die, but was resurrected out of that pit to live. Just as Jesus was laid in a tomb, a tomb of death, but was resurrected from that tomb, as it says in Acts 2.24, Acts 2.24, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it's not possible that he should be holden of it. And then in Philippians 2.6, Philippians 2.6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with, with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." I mean, just think about this. All the people there bowing before Joseph and how all the people have bowed before the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's something. So God brought into power a man named Joseph who was sold to Ishmaelites, just as the Lord Jesus was sold by Judas. Judas. Now, God brought into power a man named Joseph who was imprisoned just as the Lord Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, God brings into power a man named Joseph, and there was a great need to be saved from the death by famine, just as the Lord Jesus appeared when the fullness of time came. He appeared when there was a great need to be saved from death from sin. So in short, God made Joseph the most powerful man on earth, and that's what Stephen said. On his, in his final words, in Acts 7 9, Acts 7 9, the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him and delivered him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and made him governor over Egypt and all his house. So Pharaoh used his powerful, oh, Pharaoh, Joseph, Joseph used his powerful position to accomplish this saving of the Egyptians and his own family also, saving his own family by collecting all that grain during those years of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of uh, bounty. Now, and that's just as the Lord Jesus used his sinless life and his blood that was sinless to become the Lamb of God and take away the sin of the world. And that was the great significance when he was on the cross and he cries out, it is finished, which literally means it's accomplished, when he said in John 19.30, Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. He cried out, bowed his head, gave up the ghost. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. 
Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor, Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program and founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, would like to invite you to celebrate Good Friday on Friday, March 30th at 7 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee. Enjoy an evening of an in-depth Bible teaching from Tom Cantor, followed by a communion service on Good Friday at 7 p.m. Then join Tom in the Friendship with God Fellowship Sunday, April 1st at 5.30 p.m. for a special Easter Passover message. You are also invited to a Passover Seder dinner with Tom Cantor, Saturday, April 7th. The cost of the Passover meal is only $20. Enjoy great DZ Aikens food, fellowship, and a memorable Passover Seder message from Tom Cantor. The Friendship with God Fellowship Church is located inside the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, next to the Highway 67 and the Santee Drive-In. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Or go to our website at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.